Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. We're com- coming to you from inside Michigan Stadium after Ohio State's 30-24 to loss to Michigan. Third straight in a row. Ohio State for the third straight year will not be headed to the Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis next Saturday. And unlike last year where I'm not going to say it was more – there was not a, a realistic chance of them getting to the college football playoff. It's just last year a couple of things fell into place where they were able, Nathan, to – to backdoor this way, their way into the college football playoff. What are is that dead this year? Are the chances of that zero to to none, basically at this point, given how many other teams are still in the college football race. I mean, I don't know if it's dead, but it's extremely unlikely. I haven't even followed every result that happened today. Did Louisville end up winning today? Did Florida State end up winning today? I don't. I don't know. There was just a Louisville, lot of Louisville teams. lost. Yeah, what's that? Louisville lost. Louisville lost. Okay, that does change things a little bit. Um, no, actually, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. I mean, I think a lot of it, the inside straight they would have to draw to now. Florida State losing. You know, um, Georgia is getting in. I think regardless of what happens against Alabama, if Alabama wins, I think they both get in. I think the Washington Oregon winner gets in. The um, you know Michigan we all expect to go pound on Iowa and get in. So now that like that's four right there, right? And even if and if Alabama does or if yeah, if Alabama doesn't beat Georgia and get in, then you're talking about Texas as a possible one loss champion. You would then have Washington as a one loss team that made its conference championship, or Michigan or Washington just wins outright and beats Oregon. Like there's 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 a there are more teams between them and being able to sneak in this time. So um yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible with the results that are out there, but seems unlikely. So this post game pod, we're going to just react to what happened in this game, obviously. But then also uh, the, the second part of this pod, we're just going to give the Texans a voice to really just voice how they feel coming off of what is now three straight losses to Michigan, second loss in Ann Arbor of the three losses, and just giving where this program may be headed going into this offseason, regardless if it doesn't make it into the college football playoff, it could be heading into a very different offseason than what we've seen the past couple of years under Ryan Day. So just to start with the football aspect of Ohio State losing a, a game today by six. Andrew, what went wrong for Ohio State today that led to this loss? I mean, I think, you know, Michigan played a fairly, I wouldn't say perfect game. Michigan didn't make any mistakes. Michigan didn't make any big mistakes today. Or if they did, Ohio State couldn't capitalize on them in any real way. And Ohio State made a couple of significant mistakes. And in a game like this on the road against an opponent this good, that you lose the game. They made one big one early on, the touchdown in the fourth quarter that had them behind the rest of the game. You know, they were able to come back and tie it at one point, 17-17, but never took the lead. And they never really um, were in a position to really put pressure on Michigan, even there at the end of the game. Like, they're driving. Um, if Comacord doesn't get drilled in the face as he's let, letting that pass go, maybe that ends differently. Maybe it actually didn't get in his face, but he had a guy in his face um, on that last throw. Maybe the, maybe it's a different ending. 
but it was a lot to ask of of that situation to you know they were behind the whole game other than other than the time they were tied 17-17 they, they they were just behind early on and Michigan never made the mistake that let them back in i i think you have to give uh, none of the people listening to this maybe want to but you do have to give Michigan some credit for the the way that it executed today and kind of made Ohio State have to play perfect and and uh, i don't think any of us thought that this offense even with the things that it has, even the strides that it has made in the back third of the season was probably going to come in and play perfect. I kept turning to you, Steven, and being like, you know, this is still just like, you know, it's, you're just like one defensive play away. If Ohio State can make a defensive play, if Ohio State can tip a pass and pick it off, if Ohio State can strip a ball, if Ohio, all you needed was like the one defensive play, and they've gotten them so many times this year, and it just wasn't there today. This is maybe an oversimplification, but – does Ohio State win this game if Kyle McCord doesn't throw an interception on their second drive of the game? Excuse me, third drive, third drive of the game. But do, does Ohio you know, State I, win? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I think there might be a lot of people looking at this saying, well, you turn, even if Ohio State scores nothing, you turn to drive, you know, to Michigan over and you just gave them a, a free seven points and Ohio State lost by six. So if so facto, Ohio State wins the game. I don't know. Like, I don't want to play that butterfly effect game, um, you know, because you, you just don't know, like, what the rest of that game looks like if if Ohio State isn't in that position, if Michigan isn't in that position. Um, so I think it's easy to say so. I think you could point to it as one of the key moments. Absolutely. But I'm not going to say if that doesn't happen, Ohio State wins. I just because I think looking at this game, the moments were won by Michigan and Ohio State just didn't make the plays that they had to make. And they also committed too many mistakes like, you know, you, you the McCord play where that, you know, the, the interception that killed them. And then, you know, you have the end of half, end of first half, whatever you want to call that where Ohio State runs the clock down and then kicks a 52-yard field goal, which they made on the first attempt where Michigan called timeout, and then the second attempt you missed. Um, so you have that. That's a missed opportunity. Um, Ohio State's defense actually was really good on third down. Uh, Michigan only went 3 of 12 on third down, and then Michigan turned around and went 3 for 3 on fourth downs. So like Michigan just won the big moments, and the McCord play was one of them. I just don't want to say that the McCord play, if that flips, that's the game. Like, I don't want to say that a play in the first quarter flips and then, yep, we're talking about a completely different game result. I just think that might be a stretch too far, but I don't think it's a stretch too far to say that that was, you know, one of the two, three, four plays that decided this game. Nathan, what do you think of that? If Ohio State, if Kyle McCord doesn't throw an interception on the third drive of the game, Ohio State probably wins this thing. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, that's the defensive play that Michigan made that Ohio State never made. So mm -hmm. um, it, 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 even if you're not looking at it in terms of a chain reaction, there was a, a, a thing that happened for Michigan in the absence of it for Ohio State. Like Ohio State just never made that play either schematically or individually to, 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 to equalize that, to get it back. Like I said, like I kept turning to you like multiple times during yeah. the game, just being like, yeah, it's just like, there's like one thing here. Like, if, and it just never came. They couldn't even really um, get to JJ McCarthy and rattle him and, and pin him in and, and take him for a, you know, a third down sack, something like that. Like that, I think they got one, but the, it was a rare occurrence today. And, you know, there's other plays that you can look at in this game. Like one that keeps, and I don't want to harp on, like, there's, there's loud mistakes. There are loud mistakes that cost you, and that was a loud mistake. You know what else is a huge play in this game when I look back on it? And maybe, like, who knows? Maybe to say it's huge. But, like, Emeka Buka dropping that third down pass on the first possession of the game. Like, that, mm -hmm. I thought, was a bad tone setter for Ohio State because – it was a first down. Like they were going to have a first down. They did exactly what they needed to do. They ran tempo. They got up there. They caught Michigan flat-footed. He hits him in the hip with the ball, and it's just like, eh, and it falls to the turf. And now you're punting. You've gone three and out to start the game. And this defense did its job for a large portion of this game. And what we've usually seen is the offense can will click in, and, and it, it's going to be enough. And today it wasn't because this defense got worn on. And I think that was probably a fair thing to expect the way Michigan attacks that if you weren't succeeding more on offense and keeping that defense off the field, that it was a very real possibility they could get worn down just the way, just how physical Michigan plays. And if you make plays like that, if, if Emeka Buka catches that ball, 
if Kyle McCord is a little bit more accurate on some of the passes he threw in the first half of this game. I think he was four of 10 at the end of the first quarter. Like there's butterfly flex, butterfly effects all over the place here. And I'm also kind of with Andrew that, you know, that was a play that happened. It did result in seven points because they only had to go seven yards and four plays. And that kind of unfortunately goes on the defense in terms of the final score that you look at. But really, you would say the defense gave up 23 points and that. And that changes the complexion of maybe how you how you gauge what this defense did today. But ultimately, again, like I said, like it was it, that was a mistake. It was a big mistake that. And, and also a very adept play that Michigan made to force the mistake. You know, Will Johnson, I thought, made a good play on the ball. And Ohio State never found the defensive play to counter that. They never got the takeaway at any portion of the field that flipped that back in their favor. You used the term worn down a couple of times. And we, we've had discussions about this in the past, the time of possession thing. And sometimes it can be an overrated stat, depending on who you're playing against. Like with Minnesota, it was probably an overrated stat because you're, you have the ball for that long. You're not doing anything with it, but Michigan had touchdown drives. One was 14 yard, 14 plays, 75 yards, 651. That's in the second quarter. Then obviously in the second half, they have back-to-back drives, seven plays, 75 yards, 340, seven plays, 44 yards, four minutes, and then the la- their last real drive, and they finished with these drives, it was touchdown, field goal, field goal, but 13 plays, 56 yards, seven minutes. Maybe this is an oversimplification, but we're trying to figure this out in real time right now. Did Michigan just like wear down Ohio State's defense after? after a while and eventually you were going to give up something, especially in the second half well, when Ohio State's trying to play catch up a little bit. I'll let Andrew get in on this. I just was, like Saying they wore them down is maybe a little bit too simplistic, but I, mm-hmm. I think there's A, there's the fact that this was just an offense built to march this way, like a, just a machine that Ohio State couldn't interrupt enough. And then B, you make an interesting point about how long some of those were because I don't know if Andrew remembers, but like, in the third quarter, uh, so, so Michigan had the ball first to start the third quarter, scored. Ohio State mm-hmm. goes down and scores. And mm-hmm. I then turned to Andrew and I said, like, man, this game got late fast. There's like five minutes left in the third quarter. All of a sudden, it just felt like that happened quickly. And just another example of this was a year where when you got into games like this in the past, Ohio State's offense was so prolific that you knew – that they were going to get touchdowns, that they were going to at least move the ball down the field. And this year, that was just not as guaranteed of happening. And every time in a game like this that you you left points on the field like that, or or like it was in the first quarter, when you're not even when you're going three and out and you're not even you know pushing the ball down the field, um, it, it just adds up. I don't think worn down or wore down is the correct way to phrase it because. Let's take out the kneel down because that counts as a drive technically. Um, So like let's take out that play for Michigan. Michigan had nine drives today. They scored points on six of them. And the first two drives that they had went six plays for a total of 13 yards. And they had that that short field touchdown where they scored on fourth down at the one, or I guess technically like the inch line. But they also had their second drive of their 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 other drive right after that, their what turned out to be their fourth drive of the game, which is crazy that you end the game with like nine real possessions and the you start your fourth one in the four in the first quarter. Um, but that was a 14 play, 75 yard drive that took 651 off the clock. Like at Michigan punted twice on, like I said, on their first two possessions. And then listen to this, listen to this drive chart, touchdown, touchdown, punt. And then you get into the second half field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal, end of game. And those plays in the second half, like those drives in the second half, six for 46, 310, seven for 75, 340, seven for 44, four minutes, 13 for 56, seven minutes. So I guess you could say a little bit, but this was also just kind of a trend throughout the game. Like Ohio State's defense was not worn down when Michigan went on a 14-play, 75-yard drive. Maybe that did wear them down a little bit, but like it wasn't just, hey, they just kept doing it and they kept getting closer and they kept getting closer and they kept getting closer. They were effective starting in the first quarter. You know, this, this was not kind of a you know, typical run style, beat your head over, you know, beat your head with a hammer type of run game that you kind of think with Michigan where it's just, hey, 
three, four yards in the first quarter, become six or seven in the second half. Like it just wasn't that. It wasn't that type of game for Ohio State's defense. So I don't know if worn down is the right way to say it, just because Michigan, I thought, was fairly effective for the majority of the game. You know, you have a couple drives early that don't go your way, and then you take out those two drives, and Michigan scores on six of its final seven drives. I know there were three field goals and three touchdowns in there. They weren't all touchdowns, but that's just not a number that is good enough for Ohio State's defense. And and that was really the problem. So it wasn't to me that Michigan or that Ohio State just couldn't get off the field and Michigan was just wearing them down. Ohio State just had trouble stopping them. Like that that's it. Like there there wasn't kind of a man, Michigan was just running the same play over and over. They just they just had trouble stopping them. So Nathan, I mentioned that in one of our YouTube videos. Go check those out as well. Just type in Buckeye Talk on YouTube. But it felt like Ohio State spent the last year, basically since this game played out last year, obsessing over not giving up explosive plays. And they they were successful in that for most of the year. They had given up one explosive play coming into this game, and it was on a trick play by Rutgers. And Michigan just proceeded to go, okay, we're not going to be oh, explosive. Hold, hold, no, hold, I'm not going to say they, they weren't explosive. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's say they'd given up more explosive plays than that. Just, that was the only one of 40-plus yards that they'd given up. Yes, a 40 a 40 plus yards that was the only one they'd given up. But Michigan today didn't necessarily have the most explosive approach. Their longest play today was a 34 yards. And that was a Donovan Edwards pass. So once again, trick play is where the most explosive play of the day for Michigan comes from. Outside of that, they had two plays of 20 plus yards and everything else was in the team. So Michigan wasn't 40-yard explosive plays, 75-yard touchdown because of a busted coverage the way they were last year, and yet you still get the same result where Michigan walks away with a victory. Well, but they also had 10 plays of 14 or more yards. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no way that Jim Knowles is thinking that if they come into this game and have that happen, that their chances are great, and especially when Ohio State couldn't counter it. Ohio State had eight plays of 12 or more yards, but the and the few of those happened there at the the very end, right? Like two of those came on passes on that final drive. So before that, it was they only had um, six, and one of those their longest run of the day. And I thought this is a, a huge part of this game because everything those of us who predicted an Ohio State win in this game, it was predicated on a few factors that didn't get replicated today, and one of them was how explosive Ohio State's running game in particular had been. And Ohio State also today wasn't really allowing explosive touchdowns like it was last year. They, they did have two 22-yard touchdowns for Michigan. You would, Technically, those are explosive, but they're, they're not what we were seeing last year, like those long game breakers, right? Those are just sort of like just outside the red zone. You make a throw or you break off a run. Um, and th- we, that's not what last year was about. Uh, but today, just getting a couple – when Ohio State couldn't really counter it with anything, and especially in the run game. Like, Trevin Henderson and how explosive he was had really brought something to this offense. And today, Trevin Henderson's longest run was eight yards. He averaged 3.2 yards a carry after he had, like, risen and become a, you know, late season. Like, what if he had been doing this all year? He'd be a Heisman Trophy contender. And Michigan shut him down today. Chip Trainum uh, actually ran the ball pretty well. He's like the secret sauce against Michigan, I guess. But they were ready for Trevin Henderson, and I thought that they kept him very effectively bottled up. Some of those gaps that you saw the last couple of weeks just weren't there. And I know I'm straying away from the question you asked, but I think it is today, yes, they didn't allow those long explosive touchdowns from last year, the 40, 50, 70-yard touchdowns. Very true. But Michigan was able to gash out more of those big plays than most opponents have against Ohio State this year, number one. And Ohio State just did not counter it really very effectively itself. You know, Marvin Harrison had the crazy one-handed grab on when he was getting interfered with. And like I said, but in the running game, that which we thought was going to be just like such a key thing that they could, if they could keep what they had been doing on the ground going for another week and balance this offense out, that that was going to be the thing that helped them succeed better, more offensively against the defense is good. And they couldn't bring, they couldn't find that second half of it with any consistency today. Before I bring you in, Andrew, Nathan, one more thing, because we've talked all week about, it felt like one team was trending in the right direction and the other one was not. And this is outside of even the, the, the off the field stuff. It's just Michigan had not been playing good football. 
the last couple of weeks. And it felt like Ohio State had been playing good football. And obviously all of this is built in with the context of the level of opponents they were playing against. But still, one team seemed like it was heading in the right direction. The other one didn't. Was Michigan better than you thought they would be today? especially J.J. McCarthy. I thought Michigan was better in a lot of phases, and that wasn't me necessarily disrespecting Michigan. I picked a one-point win for Iowa State coming into this game, so I you know, I had, I had great respect for, for what Michigan has accomplished by and large this year, and I know that people are throwing their phones right now over um, Connor Stallions and everything else, but, I mean, today answers that to some extent. I did think that Ohio State would maybe be able to rattle J.J. McCarthy more, force him, and it's it's interesting because with a lot it's the opposite of what Michigan needed to do to come accord, right? They uh, Michigan would have wanted come accord to be, uh, you know, uh, on the move, force him out of the pocket, make him have to make those sorts of decisions. For Ohio State, it's more like containing him and making him make decisions inside the pocket, like on your terms. And he was able to get out today, get outside the pocket, and make some real plays, whether that was with his legs or using his legs to. Um, move out and get him get guys open and and make some interest, some really tough throws and you know I asked him Knowles about that after the game like did you see that as like a failure of containment by Ohio State or did you see that more as like an accomplishment by McCarthy and he sort of leaned toward it being the latter that he thought that McCarthy showed that he's a legitimately tough quarterback and and made some big plays and that was a certainly a deciding factor in this game that, that this is two years in a row where he's shown up and been uh, efficient and made plays at, at the right time. And I do think that I thought it was less that I thought Michigan wasn't was better than I thought. I think it was that I thought that Ohio State would be able to still have, despite that, would be able to keep some of the success that it had been having in specific areas going. And I think maybe especially in the in the running game, like once this once this running game was kind of bottled up and you couldn't get anything explosive out of it, and you were putting this offense behind the sticks quite a bit, especially early in this game, then I that was that made it hard to dig out of that hole that that the offense kind of got itself in. Andrew, given uh, he Anthony mentioned it, I mean Travion Henderson had gotten back. It seemed like Ohio State had maybe made some adjustments in how they were running the ball doing more gap steam stuff than zone stuff. The way they had been running the ball the last couple of weeks, it felt like they had fixed the running game. And then you get into a game like this, 3.8 yards per carry on 28 rushes. But even if you take Kyle McCourt's sack out of that, which was only negative three yards, it's still 3.85 carry per carry on 27 carries. Were we wrong to assume that Ohio State had actually fixed its run game problems? No, because I don't know. If, I don't think we did assume that they had fixed their run game problems. Because like when when we were talking about it, I I think we kind of added with the caveat like, hey, look, Trevion Henderson's running really well. Trevion Henderson's also torching Michigan State and Minnesota and Rutgers and Wisconsin, and he's not doing this against you know Notre Dame. He had the big run against Notre Dame, and that was kind of it. And you know they didn't run the ball well effectively the rest of that game and the, really the entirety of that game. And we we kind of knew that they. They didn't really run the ball well against Penn State, and we knew that Michigan was a big test. So I don't think we, I don't think we assumed that the run game was fixed. I think we, I mean, what we did was we pointed out, like, hey, look, like this is trending in the right direction, and I think that that's fair because it was, you know, it was trending in the right direction. You like, I understand the argument that ah, you know, you can't you can't say it's fixed until you play a good team, but I mean, they had run the ball well for like four games in a row. Like they had run like objectively well and, and Trevon Henderson had looked objectively really good for a handful of games in a row. So I, I don't know if, if we had kind of assumed that it was fixed. I don't think Ohio State fans kind of thought it was fixed. I think Ohio State fans felt better about it, but you weren't really going to know until this game today. And yeah, I mean, what have we said about Trevion Henderson since his return that makes him special, that makes him unique? that makes him an, just something that you really just, you know, wow, like this guy can give you just this home run element, right? We had been so in on that, and we had been talking about how big of a factor that was for Ohio State's off, forget the run game, the offense. And you have Trevion Henderson's long carry today was eight yards. He, like eight yards. He, he did not break one in the manner that you thought he could or hoped he could. Um, now, I know he did get banged up a little bit, um, you know, we did have to leave the game, but 
eight yards. That's, I mean, that's not what you would have hoped from Henderson. And then even in the passing game, um, his long was, was 11 yards. You know, we talked about what you can get from the passing game from Travion and it was 11 yards. So the run game let him down, but Steven and I did kind of talk about this. Like the run game let him down, but I don't necessarily think the pass game did. Like I thought the pass game was fine and the pass game was good enough to win. And I don't know. The the run game wasn't what you needed, but I think that there were multiple paths to victory here that didn't include, hey, we have to get low, fire off, run the ball for 150 yards, and Travion has to get, you know, 100 plus, and he has to run the ball for five. Like, I, don't, I didn't think that that was the case. I thought you could have won this game without the running game being kind of stellar or being even, you know, sort of what it had looked like the last couple of weeks. And the, the just there was no explosiveness from the run game, and that was what you would kind of seen and that was what you thought that they might get because that was the whole promise right that even if you're getting locked down even I think it was I believe it was like 3.2 yards a carry or something like that in that Notre Dame game and they just didn't run the ball well and then guess what Trayvon Henderson takes one of the outside and he's gone and that you know it changes the game and we always thought that that was a possibility so even when you know it's kind of like a hitter that you know you just constantly strikes out strikes out strikes out ground out ground out Every once in a while, he's going to hit one into the bleachers, and he's going to hit one 480 feet, and that just didn't happen today for Ohio State's run game. Last thing I want to talk about, especially with the pass game, Nathan, Marvin Harrison Jr., five catches on nine targets for 118 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he had a good day. You mentioned the Emeka Buka drop early. I think Julian Fleming got involved later on in the game. Kate Stover had a pretty solid day. He had his first drop of the season, but it probably came at a point where – it's okay. That's a good drop because it's better than catching that ball and being short of the sticks. And now the clock is moving in that situation. But Michigan kind of covered Marvin closer to what Notre Dame did than what we saw against Penn State as well. I think he even said he they did some things to him that he hadn't even seen before against like Notre Dame and whatnot. So I mean, he had a hundred plus yards on a touchdown. So you can't say they even contained him. But what did you think of the way Michigan tried to take away Marvin Harrison, especially in key moments? If you look at it that way versus like him just putting up the numbers because he's still the best receiver in the country. So I, mean, I would say they contained him. Um, 118 yards on nine targets for him, I think, is – I think if you're Michigan coming in, uh, as long as there's only one touchdown associated with that, I think you might be fine. I think you might take that as the baseline because what else happened other than that? And it, to me, this was, you know, what Notre Dame did worked. Like bracketing him worked. And Michigan had a blueprint to work from that as much as you can get some yards with uh, you know, Mecca Buka in that case, it didn't really hurt Notre Dame. And if not for like one great play at the end of the game, one, you know, well-thrown ball and Emeka going up and catching it and then being able to push into the end zone when Notre Dame had 10 people on the field, like, we would have been talking about that all season about how Michigan or I'm sorry, Notre Dame had, had, had found the recipe to thwart Marvin Harrison in Ohio state. And Michigan did another version of that. I mean, Harrison was talking about that. I asked him about it after the game and that the, the brackets that he saw today, that the, the double coverage he said was more than he had seen from any opponent ever. And I think again, as you look down the list, like it's, so Marvin five for one eighteen with a touchdown looks fine until you start adding up some of the other things. I mean, you know, Fleming and Abuka together eighty three yards on six receptions, and Abuka did have the one touchdown. I thought that was a well designed play that by Day to just get him coming across in that man look, and then they did sort of a similar thing with Harrison later, where then you just it's an easy pitch and catch. There's almost I don't know even how you would defend that in man because the guy is just going to be so wide open. And, but as far as like being propulsive down the field, um, I don't know that McCord's either, either Michigan's coverage was that good. And we'll see this better on maybe on the rewatch or just McCord didn't read it well enough, often enough to find what else is open out there. Cause the whole mantra all along has been go ahead and bracket him, go ahead and double him that, you know, there'll be something else that opens up something else that they could take advantage of. It, it just, it just wasn't there today. Stover had the one really nice, um, um, shot from McCord, like up the seam for 32 yards, and two other catches for 10 yards. Like they just, so that security blanket seemed to be pretty well turned off. You know, Ibuka again, just sort of a limited impact. Fleming, 
fairly limited impact, like one big catch. Um, you know, Henderson had a little bit of action underneath, but again, another case where like just never the, the dump offs ended up being like fine, but not like big gains. Like you couldn't turn it, couldn't turn a check down into an explosive. Um, just credit to Michigan in a lot of ways for the way that they came out and kept Ohio State in a lot of ways, just something that we had seen from Ohio State all season that, you know, they'll give you some stuff underneath and maybe you can make a couple plays here and there. But by and large, they're not going to let you drive consistently enough to win a game. Okay, that's probably enough football talk. Nathan and I are going to come back on the rewatch and really break down this game from a football aspect. But this is Ohio State's now lost three straight games to, to Michigan for the first time since 95 through 97 when they've done it. And obviously this is about the change and what this game means and how it impacts postseason opportunities and all that a year from now. But we we can't live in that right now. We've got to live in what this is right now. And we're going to take a quick break here. And when we'll come back, we'll get into what some texters had to say about this, but then also what we think about where this program is and where it stands and where it's headed after a third straight loss to Michigan, given some of the realities that are at play now that this game has come to its conclusion. So we'll get into some of that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here on Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis, after Ohio State's 30-24 to loss to Michigan, eliminating them from a chance to go back to Indianapolis for the first time since 2020 to potentially win a Big Ten championship. Get the text, 614-350-3315. After the game, I, I thought about doing a survey, but I just want to hear from our texters and see how they're feeling. Because I don't know how to feel if I was a fan about this game. And I think that's the sentiment, Nathan and Andrew, that a lot of these texters were giving as well. From Xander in Southern California, my thoughts, a less negative perspective. Right now, I don't know how to describe my feelings. I am shocked, but also just frustrated at the way things played out. Personally, I don't have a huge problem with the way the game was called, besides maybe that long field goal instead of going for it. But other than that, I think we just lost a hard-fought game. And I know some people don't want to hear that. But from my point of view that's what happened in no way is this a good thing for the team or as us as fans but at the moment i don't have anything to be furious at i'm just very disappointed but as always it's a pleasure to watch this team play it's a very it's very few games it has each year and i just hope we can bounce back and come back stronger as bucks from the 440 i'm just very down about this one and ryan day is just too good to fire but you also can't lose three in a row to team up north so i don't know from the 812, here's the thing. This hurts a lot. But Day is a Buckeye through and through. People will be pissed and want him gone. I'm not one of them. The game is changing and we need to keep we need him moving forward. I'm sad that it went the way it went, but that's what makes this rivalry so intense year in and year out. I already got the countdown clock going for the game 2024, and I'll know we'll bounce back. I'll keep getting into those, but Nathan, how should a fan feel right now? about where this program is headed, and this is potentially the reality it's at. Ryan Day is 1-3 in the rivalry. They've lost three in a row. And his first big wave of talent at Ohio State, which is this 2020 and 2021 recruiting classes, a lot of those guys probably just played their last football game. And so there's going to be a bit of a reset. Well, also, you know, there's a 12-team playoff coming. And like I said earlier, some of the the things that's going to matter in terms of whether or not Ohio State can compete for a national championship after this game are going to change. But as a fan, how should you feel about where this program is right now coming off another loss like this? It's tough because you're 11-0 and going on the road against the other, you know, one, the number two, number three, whatever team in the country. And the stakes of that are measured against the fact that it's a rivalry game that you lost the previous two years as well. It's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in, to be the envy of so many programs across the country, yet 
to also be so clearly now blocked by your greatest rival. I think this is it's 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 different than when you know Penn State was being kind of this nemesis that nipped their heels and hung around, and Michigan State was you know beats them in 2015, and like I think you can you can see those little things pop up, and it it be, it's a momentary frustration. Not that those losses don't haunt you a little bit, but I think you know what I'm saying. That I don't you don't feel it in your soul the same way. But every time you play this game, you either ride the high or feel the pit in your stomach really for a year, right? The way that my time here, that people talk about this game and what it means to them and their families. And uh, it, it makes it hard to have a, anything resembling a positive perspective perhaps today. And I totally understand that. And it's especially tough when you look at this wasn't just this year. This is a, this is a culmination of a three-year project. You recruit this 2021 class. You say, we got the quarterback. We've got multiple great receivers. We've got this stud running back. We've got, look at all these defensive players, you know, these, these edge rushers. We've got some guys, some DBs that are going to help. You could just look at every position on the field and how much, and even on the offensive line, you had Donovan Jackson coming in. And then it's Donovan Jackson that's on his back when the, the Michigan defender is crashing down on Kyle McCord there to end the game. And, it's we talked in 2021 about um, all of the potential for this team and that one troubling aspect that we thought might hold them back. And I think Michigan beat them there today. I thought Michigan's defensive line was superior to Ohio State's offensive line today. I thought the offensive, offensive line just couldn't create enough in the running game. I thought there were some pressures that came at inopportune times. And if the we'll never know what might have happened with the rest of this team and Kyle McCord operating behind a better offensive line. Like Ohio State had two years to put something together, to put together something that more resembled what we think of as like a championship level offensive line. Like Zach Zenter goes down hurt in this game for Michigan. And we don't know how bad it was, but man, it looked bad. Like they put an air cast on him and carted him out of here. And it's it's tough to watch really good players end like that potentially he came back from potentially being able to go to the nfl i think to to have moments like this and who are you countering with on ohio state's offensive line um not that michigan was five guys that were all amazing players this year um but there was no presence like that on ohio state's offensive line this year it was kind of always can they get up to just an adequate level? Can they get up to where they're maybe a little bit better than average? Can they just just do enough to facilitate and let Trevion do the rest? And they needed more than that today. And they, we thought maybe it was trending there over these past few weeks, and it just wasn't enough. A little bit more before I let Andrew get the ball off here. From the 614, this is just from our earlier conversation. I think it's this simple. The defense took too long to get off the field when they needed, and McCord didn't have the magic twice. And by magic twice, they're referring to he led a game-winning drive early this year on the road in a top-10 game against Notre Dame. But as, Nathan, you've said this time and time again, there's, it doesn't matter the level of quarterback you are. You can only ask your quarterback to lead a game-winning drive so many times. Eventually, it's not going to happen, and that's what happened today against Ann Arbor. Against Michigan, excuse me. 6-1-4, I'm just irritated. We're better than this, and turnovers cost us the game. While emotions are high right now, I do not want to say that I don't believe Ryan Day should be fired for this because where else are you going to find a coach to do as well as he has also cut the touchdown call was bs you know which one which let, let's let's talk about that for a quick second because we were even a little lost in what happened here andrew I'll start with you they called it a touchdown catch so that's what actually happened do you think it was a touchdown catch um much to the chagrin of probably a lot of people listening i think um, I, cause I think he had enough possession. I, I would have to go back and look at it, but it, from what I looked at it at the time, I thought he had enough possession crossing the goal line. And I thought he had possession to where the ball's in his hands and he's across the goal line. And if you have the ball in your hands and you cross the goal line, it's a touchdown. And, and I, uh, it was close. I think it was very much one of those plays where had they called interception and, you know, Denzel Burke 
comes up with the ball and they point Ohio State's direction and all this other all this other kind of stuff. All right. I think maybe Ohio State keeps possession of that ball. That was just a really tough play to overturn. Um I thought it was a touchdown personally. It was close, but I I from from when I looked at it the couple of times that we saw in the press box, I thought touchdown. Nathan, did you think it was a touchdown catch? I never, even after watching the replay several times, I never came to like a conclusive opinion on that. I, mm-hmm. The more I watched it, the more it seemed like it could have been a takeaway for, for Denzel Burke. You had a, you know, the ball never really stopped moving is, was my thing. The ball never really stopped moving until Denzel Burke had it at, at the end. And the problem is that when it's called a touchdown in real time, that you have to have certainty to mm-hmm. take it off the board. And if they had if they had called it incomplete and Michigan had asked to review it, I think it would have been incomplete. But because mm-hmm. it was called a touchdown, it has to be a touchdown. And it, it, it's, it's, it just sucks. Like sometimes even with replay, it, you don't get something conclusive. But I'm sure there are fans out there who absolutely think it was conclusive. I understand why. Like I said, the more I watch the replay, but um, it's just a bang-bang play that went not in Ohio State's favor. And like that's – so you could even say that. Like we're talking about the touchdown that Ohio State allowed off of the interception as being the the decider of this game. Like that's another decider of this game. It was actually – when we saw it in real time, you're like, oh, man, that was a great throw. Like he just Mm -hmm. zipped it in there. Uh, Ohio State had put – Leak Hartford in the game on that, and it seemed like Michigan like went right at him as yep. soon as he did, as soon as they saw a true freshman on the field. And but he and Burke are both there. Like I said, Burke ends up making a play. Knowles was asked about it after the game, kind of just shrugged his shoulders, said he didn't see the ball until Burke had it. Uh, I know that Ohio State's staff probably feels like that's a call that didn't go their way, but I also feel like it it didn't go their way, not because of like officiating incompetence it's mm-hmm. just sort of it's just sort of what happens sometimes guys i don't know what to say it's just it's just one of those and again we we're talking before about how ohio state like never conjured the defensive play that whatever but ohio state also just there wasn't a similar play like that that evened out for them and it's just one of those things like it was never a bang bang thing that went in their favor the closest thing actually was the the reception right before the interception on the last yep. drive if Ohio State goes down and gets a touchdown there, Michigan people are probably complaining about whether that was a reception or not. Like that was the closest thing that went in Ohio State's favor. But as far as like something that put points on the board or took them off, uh, Michigan got the benefit of that huge call. Ohio State just never got a similar, a similar flip. From the 954, it's frustrating that this was Ohio State's opportunity to rewrite the narrative of the 2021 and 2022 losses and failed to deliver yet again. Kyle failed. This game was likely going to come down to him, and unlike OSU quarterbacks of the past, he failed to take control of the game and be the leader they needed. The defense held up. At times, we asked too much of them, the first interception, etc., but also surprised by how much we were willing to bend. Realize Knowles is scared from last year. I realize Knowles is scared from last year, but would have hoped for a little more aggression from our strongest unit on the field. Really just feeling defeated. We we kind of could, could have predicted this by the way Kyle has played all season, but nonetheless, a heartbreaking loss. From the 317, so frustrated. I feel like Ryan Day does everything right, dot, 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 except win big games. He doesn't seem to be able to start fast, and in talented, equated games, it loses the Buckeyes games. When it doesn't matter in other games, why can't OSU figure out how to start fast against good opponents? I'm tired of spotting the other team seven points. Well, literally in this game, you spotted them seven points, but the difference was the turnover early. The Buckeyes played catch-up the rest of the game. In addition, in today's worldview, everything that Harbaugh had done will be swept under the rug nationally. At the end of the game on the field, the interviewer referenced Michigan against the world. Wait, what? Michigan beat us, but they get national sympathy for cheating? I feel like the sporting world is being equated with the world of politics. Cheat, blame the other side, and become the hero. Maybe I'll just find other things to do with my time this year. And then... Eric and Finley, soul crushing. Now we get to see Harbaugh in Indianapolis, and this most likely is the last game for Marv, Ameka, Cade, Trey, JT Tuimaloa, and Jack. Nathan, what are the chances that if Ohio State can't backdoor its way into a college football playoff again this year, that 
this team looks significantly different in whatever New Year's Six Bowl they're playing in. Oh, obviously it will. Yeah. Now, the extent of it, I think, remains to be seen. I think coming into this season, there were some guys who we thought for sure would maybe be in a position to leave, and now maybe they won't. I think there are also some guys who we maybe hadn't put on the list yet, and now it seems like they probably will. Um, and it, it, it it's the 2021 class, but then it's also like some other older guys who have a lot to gain by, you know, being having a strong pre-draft workout, whatever, going into the, the combine and the draft next year. And um, they'll have to weigh that against uh, what they gain out of playing in the Orange Bowl or, or wherever Ohio State goes. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. was asked, like, hey, what's the next few days look like for you as you and it's really it's more than that. It's got to be till we got to wait through the conference championship games just to just to see what shakes out. Um, just to get through selection Sunday. I don't think anybody expects him to play for Ohio State again if um, if they can't back into the playoffs somehow. Uh, Emeka Buka, I think, remains to be seen just because his, his year was so up and down. I think there might be a great benefit to him coming back and being a, and having a, a great year next year. But if, if they're telling him first round still, then he probably has to go. You know, Trevion Henderson helped himself so much down the stretch. But then this is how he finishes. Does he want to come back and take another shot at a fully healthy year? All those defensive linemen, um, yeah, it could look, it could be a very different team. And that was, there was just so much finality on the line today, man. Like all the finality of those careers, there was the finality of this being the last game of the game like this, the last game of an era of the game, and the. Uh, because next year, like it, it's, it's the stakes aren't as final as this one was. Um, the final word that Michigan gets to have in some ways on everything they've heard from Ohio State fans and everyone else in college football for the past past year, and, and I, obviously nobody is sympathizing with that. But that was one of the other things today. Like Ohio State, Ohio State doesn't get to have the final word on that the way it wants wanted to have it. I'm, we all got deprived of Ryan Day getting to say what he wanted to probably has been wanting to say for a while about that. And really nobody else at Ohio State can either. And all of that finality just sort of came crashing down on when that interception lands in Rod Moore's hands. From the 419, I am emotionally dead inside again with all the exhaustion for this rivalry and the stress and importance it has, I feel has become too intense and one of, it to have in one game seasons there is not there is not a window for a national title here this year to make up for it the defense wasn't enough this year again and the offense couldn't store, score at a snap of the finger like in the past i don't know how good the buckeyes will be next year so much defense is going to leave and the offensive weapons are few i don't know if mccord is going to take that next step again next year i don't want another quarterback battle going all the way to the start of the season i'm exhausted and emotionally spent and i need a break from college football Maybe till spring. Don't really care about bowl games because the stars are going to sit out. I don't know how good the backups are. From Nate Adele, this one really hurts. I'm mad at what Michigan has done over the past three years, and I thought we could take it all from them. Michigan has won legitimately this day. I don't know if this one will be vacated or not, but it really doesn't matter. I lived through the Cooper years. This feels a bit like that. I still believe in Ryan Day. The talk of him being fired is crazy talk. This season is over. All you can do is try to do it all over again next year. And then this last part that I want to touch on. From the 614, as a 21-year-old Ohio State fan, is this what the 90s felt like as an Ohio State fan? Andrew, both of us are in our 20s, and we, we've talked about this in the past, the fact that for most of our lives, we've watched the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry turn into it's the biggest rivalry in sports. You make a big deal out of it all week long, and then you get to Saturday, and you know who's going to win the game. It's going to be Ohio State. It takes, you know, a sanctioned team who loses all its players in 2011 to win this game. But that's clearly not the case anymore. For people who are new to what a competitive version of this rivalry looks like, which includes you and it includes me, how should they feel about what they've seen from this rivalry over the past three years and then 
where do fans and where does this program go from here? And I know that's a very loaded question. Yeah, um, that's a hard question to answer. I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, I think of the last, I mean, since really Trestle got there, I mean, we have talked about this a lot, is that Ohio State for years had dominated this rivalry. And, you know, I believe it was Emeka Buka mentioned this earlier in the week. Like, this is a, this is a, you know, what a rivalry is, is when teams go back and forth, right? And, and teams throw punches back and forth. And he was kind of saying that in reference to, hey, they've won. Now it's our time to win. And it, it is a weird kind of look at this, um, you know, because you're right. You know, no matter really what the situation was, it kind of felt like every year Ohio State was going to win. And whether that was, you know, the the one year where it felt like, I'm, you know, in 2018, it was, oh, man, if Michigan can't win this year, when will they ever win? You know, they came into Ohio Stadium, they were favorites, and they allowed, their defense was really good, and they allowed 62 points. And they had no idea what a crossing pattern was. And it just felt like, man, is, is this the best that Michigan can ever get? And now you're at a point where Michigan's really good. And, you know, I know there are a lot of fans who, you know, might be kind of eye-rolling at that, at us saying, you know, oh, man, you know, this Michigan program is really good, and this Michigan program is really good. Like, Ohio State's good, too. Like, Ohio State was the number two team in the country in 2021. And in 2022, they were the number two team in the country. And in 2023, they were the number 20, they were the number two team in the country. Like, this is a, this is a program that is still really good. So I get where people are frustrated about this. I get why people are upset. You know, yeah, Michigan's really good, but Michigan's managing to win these matchup games. Michigan's managing to win these kind of high profile games. So I think where you go from here is, I mean, you, you have to look and, and try and identify. And, and we mentioned this earlier. I don't quite know what the answer to that is. And I don't think, you know, really anybody does right now. And, and I think that that's the problem for Ohio State, because we, we mentioned this, like, where you go from here, I don't know, because Michigan is managing to win these games. Like, the whole, if, if the whole point of this rivalry being lopsided was, oh, man, Ohio State's just so great that they can score all these points and they can do all these things. They've got all these NFL players. Michigan just can't hang. Well, now you're at the point where Ohio State hasn't really dropped off, at least in the national perspective. They're still one of the better college football teams. They're still title contenders every year. Now Michigan is too, but now you're three games in a row where you've lost to them. So I don't know where you go. Like I, I don't know kind of how you how you feel about this because on paper – Michigan and Ohio State are equals, right? On paper, they're top four teams, top five teams, they're playoff teams. Whatever your kind of cutoff is, whatever your tier is for Ohio State and Michigan, they're in that same level. And Ohio State just can't seem to beat them now. <laughs> it's been three years in a row. So, you know, I, I kind of look at this as, as, I mean, this is the way that rivalries go. It was never going to stay that way. Ohio State was never, like, 50 years down the line, we weren't going to be talking about Ohio State having won 44 of 50 or something like that. It was never going to be that way. But rivalries go back and forth. And, and right now, Michigan is just managing and finding ways to win these type of matchup games. And Ohio State isn't. And, and I don't know what the fix is for that. So a couple more, and then we'll close this out. From the 937. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to end with that one because I think it's kind of funny how they said it. From Brad in the 419 first. I sincerely think that what now is at me is not that Ohio State fans, and by extension, me, are sad. It is that Michigan fans are feeling happy and triumphant today. I'm not exaggerating. I just can't stand the thought of it, which I think, Nathan, is part of this conversation here. Is, and I think that's the major difference between really the John Cooper era and now. Ohio State, at times, with the John Cooper era, was losing games to Michigan where you're looking at it and you're scratching your head and going, why are you losing that game? Even in the moment you thought that, and you definitely think it now. We've said it time and time again. Michigan's good. Michigan's one of the five best teams in college football on a year-to-year basis. It's, well, maybe seven, depending on what else is going on. But they're a legitimate top-four team in that conversation year in and year out at this point. And... Is that a tough pill as an Ohio State fan to swallow? Because you're not losing games you're not supposed to lose. You're losing to a really good football team who also just so happens to be your most hated rival. You know, this is what college football is still this year. This was a championship game and a this was a playoff game. Like, this was a playoff game. Like, and if you don't win it, you don't get to move on, most likely, for Ohio State. Like, they're going to try to, you know, 
sneak in through the wrestlebacks or whatever here. Um, but this is what this was this year. You built, you won your way up to here with everything on the line and everything still in front of you to accomplish and just couldn't win this game. And in that way, it's, it's more reminiscent to me of the Georgia loss than it is the last two Michigan losses, even though this one also comes against Michigan. This was not these last two losses, the previous two losses you left there thinking Ohio state was deficient as a program to let those losses happen the way they did. That analysis is now complicated by what we've heard about Michigan in the past month. I understand, but I'm just saying like immediately after that game, that's how you felt about that, that there were just these structural big problems that Ohio state couldn't fix. And today just felt more like a game where two great teams played and one of them made more plays than the other one. One of them made fewer mistakes than the other one. That's the team that wins and gets to move on. It just felt more like a playoff game in some ways than just the rivalry game. And um, it is interesting to look ahead to next year. And next year when all a lot of this changes and the Maybe next year would be the third straight year where we go into the game and both Ohio State and Michigan have already locked up a chance to play in the Big Ten Championship game, except next year it'll actually happen. And Or maybe Ohio State is going in with only zero losses again or one loss and is assured of making the playoff by by like any outcome. Like It just it changes a lot of things. And like I said before, like the finality of this one, we had seen that coming for, for months, that this was going to be a – this was Ohio State's last opportunity, like after so many years of being left just outside the, the the playoff in years where they had so much potential to maybe get in there and win the whole thing. I think that's probably what's going to end up happening this year. We, I mean, we thought that there was a chance, like either this team could be 2014 again, where it peaks at the right time and just sort of surges in and uh, and can get in and end with a championship the way it started with the championship. And instead, the other thing happened, which is it looks like they may just be the one loss at the wrong time to the wrong team is going to leave them outside looking in, even though, as I said earlier this week, like there's going to be teams that make the playoff that almost anybody would take Ohio State on a neutral field against. And that's just how it goes. So I'll end with this one from the 937. I can't stand how a college football team can send me into a ridiculous state of depression. I wish I were someone who could take a loss and say, oh, well, maybe next year, but that's not in my DNA. I wanted this win so bad. During that last drive, I could feel my emotions exploding, and another letdown crushed me. Oh, well, maybe next year. Go Bucks. I think Ohio State's going to have a very interesting offseason. I think that's my, my, my takeaway. And I don't know if I have a more, a, a more profound way of putting it at this point. But a lot is about to change with how this roster looks. Maybe Kyle McCord is back next year, so you have a returning starting quarterback. But more than likely, at least two of your wide receivers are going to be different next year. Your starting tight end is going to be different last year. A lot of the defensive players are going to be different next year. And this brings to a close the idea of something we cooked up at Buckeye Talk two years ago now, and that this team may have a chance to have super team DNA. And I think, Nathan, I think you'll agree with this as well. They showed it at times this year, especially defensively. And if the offense could ever figure it out, maybe it finally clicks into that team we thought they could be two years ago. But as we're sitting in Ann Arbor inside Michigan Stadium, it's about 7-18 as we're wrapping up this pod. And so you'll be getting it here in the next 45 minutes to an hour here. As we're wrapping this up, that did not come to fruition. The super team never happened. This team never won a national title. In fact, they never even won a Big Ten title. And it, it's a weird feeling to have about an era of Ohio State football that had so many successful individuals, but not nearly as much success as a unit as maybe you would have expected them to have two or three years ago as this collection of talent was being put together. The next couple of weeks are going to be interesting. We'll find out where Ohio State is going as far as a bowl game. If some things get weird over the next week and a half here and Ohio State backdoors in, then we'll text about that. If that doesn't happen and Ohio State ends up in a New Year's Six Bowl, maybe the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl or anywhere else, we'll be texting about that as well. So continue to stick with us with the text and sign up if you haven't yet. 614-350-3315. Read our site, cleveland.com slash OSU. A lot of good stuff up there. 
off of this game and more stuff coming over the next couple of weeks here. And signing day is right around the corner, which is where Andrew Gillis gets to shine because it'll be all recruiting as Ohio State starts to plan for the future. But that'll wrap up this post-game pod and the regular season for Ohio State, losing 30-24 to on the road to Michigan to close out the year at 11-1. and For Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>